Gaza had the blonde, the, yeah. the blonde hair, and so many kids from Belfast dyeing their hair blonde. Did you? Like, I tried to, I wanted to dye blonde, <laughs> but I got like blonde tips. To be fair, blonde tips did have their time, didn't they? Yeah. They yeah. did, back in the day. I mean, yeah. it probably looked like, like I don't know, you were trying to be a member of Boyzone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I won Zoo Magazine's Coolest Man of the Year in 2015. <laughs> so, like, Tom Hardy came second that year, you know what I mean? <laughs> Hello, I'm Emma Jones. And I'm Kate Kurd. And this is Stripped, brought to you by William Hill. Yeah, that's right. In this show, we go all nostalgic with our celebrity guests and look back at the shirts that made us fall in love with the game. Yes, we do. Our guests select four shirts to tell the story of their lives. The first one, the haunted one, the unforgettable one, and finally, the named one. That's right. And don't forget to like and subscribe. We've got loads of great shows coming up for you. We certainly do. Specs and Vooj have gone a bit rogue. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got Vooj at the World Cup having a great time. He is. And Specs has gone missing. I think it's when he heard I was doing this. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there could be worse things to do, though. <laughs> <They're certainly laughs> but today's guest is a boxing legend. Now, this man is a former two-weight world champion and the biggest Glasgow Rangers fan you will ever meet. That's why I'm wearing all blue today. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Carl Frampton! <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Carl. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah? yeah. You good? Not bad. Wonderful. to be here? Yeah. I would, I you sound it? Yeah, no, I am. <laughs> just before I go on, I... I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Glasgow, there's some fanatical Glasgow Rangers fans there. Okay. Oh, for a second I was worried. For a second I was worried, I thought he'd be like, I only know like three of the players yeah. or something. <laughs> no, no, I know them like, but I mean, okay. there's fanatics and this, then there's uh, Today's me. guest is a bang average Glasgow Rangers fan. <laughs> Are you happy with that? That'll do, yeah. <laughs> Genuinely, thank you so, so much for joining us, um, Carl. We've got to start with your nicknames. Let's yeah. go in on that, because you've got two. Tell us what they are and why. Well, I don't have two, I have one. No, Jackal. Well, What's the other one? The other one that you have is Brickfist. No, that's not. That was someone made that up. Just some. Who so, made that up? I think it was a guy called Leonard Gunning who used to write for um, like an Irish website, um, and he called me Breakfast. It doesn't like. I could punch a bit. Breakfast is someone you call someone like Golovkin. Breakfast who knocks everyone yeah. out. I knock out like fifty percent, so it doesn't, it doesn't really. <laughs> so make what would sense. you call your fists? I'm like mediocre. <laughs> Semi-breakfast. Yeah, we'll yeah, go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Drywall fists or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, where did the jackal come from? The jackal? Um, I, I used to get called Carlos when I was in school because my name's Carl, obviously. And I, I liked to play football. And Roberto Carlos was kind of in his prime when I was a kid. Incredible, wasn't he? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not comparing myself to Roberto Carlos, <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, you I, are. Yeah, I... Um, <laughs> It was a friend of mine, a kid called Marky Adamson, used to call me Jackal after, so Carlos was my name, but there's an infamous, infamous Colombian terrorist, I think, called Carlos the Jackal. It was a guy who tried to like blow up like parliament buildings in France. Wow. So he called me Jackal. So he's the guy folks. Yeah. So essentially, you're like you're like a Latin American guy, folks. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he he called me it, and then when I had to think of a boxing nickname, I suggested that, and and that was it, really. Does Marky Adamson know that he's responsible? Marky for this knows. I've told this story a few times, so I always like to give him his his dues here because. Yeah, that he was the one that called me it, and I've kind of stopped. If you it. could go back in hindsight, what would you have named yourself if you could choose? I like the jackal. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah I don't mind it. Then. I don't yeah. mind it. Yeah. Yeah, because some people I think really lean into their names, and some people I think they choose it at the beginning, and they're like, 
Well, I'll call myself that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I look good. I, I look good. It's like some people call themselves Pretty Boy, and then like, after well, a few yeah. fights, you're like, it doesn't really hold up anymore, yeah. does it? <laughs> Floyd done that, didn't he? And then he changed it to Money Mayweather yeah. afterwards. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, there's a lot of YouTube fights and stuff going on as well. Um, I know, I know, we had a chat about it earlier, but like, what do you? Do, what's your opinion on them? Are you enjoying watching them? No, I don't. I don't enjoy watching them. I, I kind of. I hated it really at the start, like really hated the whole YouTube scene. But I understand what's happening and I understand what they're doing. But the thing that annoys me the most is when these YouTube guys, you know, start talking about they want to fight Canelo or <laughs> the top guys. It's like, you know, just know your limit, mate, yeah. and fight the guys, fellow YouTubers. That's fine. You yeah. get big numbers watching and stuff. but. Just, just know your lane. Is there anybody you'd come out and fight? Because I know, like, Carl Frock said he'd beat Jake Paul. Yeah. yeah, or he wants to fight Jake Paul. Yeah. And I know you've said Tommy Fury would lose against Jake Paul. Yeah. How yeah. did he start it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. John, John, um, he didn't, he didn't like what I said. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. And that, that's all I said. It wasn't really disrespectful to a kid, but you got to remember where Tommy, Tommy Fury is like, is a, is a similar level to Jake Paul. Like, because just because Tyson Fury can really fight, yeah, doesn't, doesn't mean, mean that Tommy yeah. Fury's gonna be a good but fighter. He's not, he's a novice professional yeah. and he's, he's getting better, but at this stage, you know, I would still yeah. think Jake Paul. So, is there anybody you'd come out of retirement to fight? Mm. Is it, it doesn't have to be a boxer. Anybody? I don't know. I've been, oh, it doesn't have to be a boxer. Um, would it be a Celtic player? Nah. <laughs> nah. Um, Henrik Larsson coming out of retirement. Oh, what, a, what a player Henrik Larsson was, I had to say. But no, who, who would have fight? I don't really know. If you give me long enough, I could probably come up with a good name. But it's funny, I've actually been... I haven't really told anyone this, but you've got, the, you, you know, got Ricky Hatton and Barrera doing these yeah. kind of exhibition fights. I've been approached by a fighter, a former fighter, to do one of these fights. Who? Um, Wayne McCulloch. So this is, you, do you know who Wayne McCulloch? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wayne, Wayne was like a, a world champion. Uh, he's older than me, from Belfast, living in Vegas now. A friend of mine. Oh, that um, Wayne McCulloch. Yeah, that one. That one. Yeah. <laughs> but he, um, he's, he's talking about having like an exhibition fight with me. And I think at the start, I kind of thought, like it's not my cup of tea, but maybe, who knows? Bills yeah. to pay. Who knows? All Bills to pay. All Energy that, yeah. prices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I'd love to see you scrapping Roy Keane. I think that'd be a... Oh, I love Roy Keane. <laughs> I love Roy Keane. Yeah. I'd watch it, though. Yeah. Purely for the press Thank conference. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I'd beat Roy Keane on a fight these days. Do you not? Really? <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> really? I feel yeah. like we now need to make that happen just <laughs> to see the result. It'll be very close anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the Fury Chisora fight mm. and your predictions for that. Um, predictions, I think that Fury will win the fight. Um, he's beaten him twice before. The second time was really comfortable for him, even though it was a, a long time ago. It was a number of years ago now. But um, I think they're both different fighters. Now, Fury's not as agile now as he was then. So, And he's a different type of fighter. He's way more aggressive now than he was then. He used to get up on his toes and move around and, and kind of outbox people. But he's kind of... Seek and destroy. Now. So why do you think people should watch this? Because I think Derek is is similar to Tyson in terms of how aggressive he is. Um, I think that look at in Tyson's last fight against Dillian White, I was really disappointed with Dillian White's performance, and I I thought Tyson was going to win the fight. 
didn't think it would be as comfortable as it was. And I was a bit disappointed with Dillian, if I'm being honest. But this fight's going to be a better fight than Fury, Dillian White. Just because Derek is so aggressive. He's just brave. He's game. Yeah. He'll, he'll really try. He'll have a go. But, yeah, I, I just it's hard for me to see a way that he can win the fight. Do you think Fury AJ will ever happen now? Because, obviously, he he's, do, he's fighting, mm. he's fighting um, Chisora again because, mm. apparently whatever reason mm. the other fight couldn't be made yeah i think they will at some point there's you, you gotta remember there's so much money still to be made in that fight and yeah. i know aj suffered a couple of defeats recently um but that that fight is a mega fight and the money that can be generated is is insane so i think i think it'll happen at some point i don't know when but yeah it's gotta happen hopefully it happens while they're still both yeah sooner yeah. rather than later yeah. um i'd love to see fury Usyk, next. Um, Who do you it, think wins that? I think Fury, because because of his size, really. Usyk's a good fighter, a very yeah. good fighter. Um, but I think the size will be the difference, really, in, in that fight. It's so mad in the heavyweight division, isn't it? Because yeah. like, size plays such a yeah, yeah. massive part. part. Yeah, whereas like in the other sort of weight classes, I feel like it doesn't have that much of a difference. Yeah, well, dep it depends. My last fight, I... I, I one up, so I, I fought at super featherweight at the end of my career. I started as a super bantamweight, so it's a couple of weight divisions apart. Um, so I was I was a very small super featherweight, but I was fighting a guy called Jamel Herring who had boxed as high as light. Well, he boxed at light welterweight in the Olympics, oh, yeah. so he's a lot bigger than me. Yeah. I remember seeing him on the scales and seeing how much he had to boil down to make the weight, and I kind of made the weight really comfortably, just walk on the scale and like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Fine. But I looked at him in the scales going, he has killed himself to make this weight. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm going to go right through you on fight night. Yeah. But then when he came into the ring on fight night, he was like a different man. Wow. I looked across the ring going, oh, you know, what have I done? rehydrated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, look at what water this, was, this wasn't, wasn't the same guy I seen a day and a half ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, Carl, just on AJ there. Drawing on your own experiences, where do you think his head's at at the minute? I don't know. The guy's got to be under so much pressure. He's he's always in the spotlight and everybody talking about his career, everybody talking about what he should do and how he should fight. Um, I don't know where his head's at at the minute. Um, he's got to be in a difficult situation. Obviously, we've seen what happened in the ring after the Usyk defeat, the last one, and it was like... I felt a bit sorry for AJ, and, and I remember looking, I couldn't really believe what I was seeing, but um, I like the big guy, I respect him as well. I think if I was him, what I would do is, you know, we keep talking about these new trainers, and I think he should get a trainer, whoever it may be, probably an American trainer, go to America where he's not as big as, as a name as he is here, and just get the head down and focus on, on, on fighting. The first one. It's the shirt that made you fall in love with the sport and it's Rangers 94-95 home shirt. This is nice. Let's start with the collar. No buttons, no V, it's just round with Adidas on the front. There are the three white stripes on the sleeve and then the front of the shirt itself, the intertwined RFC badge above McEwen's Lager and there's so much detail in the blue. Just think of Ali McCoist or Gaza and you'll get the image. My first shirt, my first shirt and um, being where I'm from, 
in Northern Ireland, like most people either support Rangers or Celtic mm. because of the political divide and, and everything else. So where I'm from, we're all Rangers fans. So um, I was, I just kind of felt like I had to support Rangers, but I loved it. And I, yeah, Rangers are... At that age, did you get to any of the games? I, I went to a couple of games as a kid, but only, only a few. I always, always kind of watched them on TV, but... What was that like when like, you're going to your first, first game? The first it? game, I think, I went as a kid was... They played at home to kill Marnock. Can't even remember the score. I think they won, but you know, doesn't seem like a Ranger against Kilmarnock. But yeah. I mean, for me, going over there for yeah. the first time, it was a big deal. Of course, yeah, yeah. When you look at those kind of sides, when you look at the Glasgow Rangers and you look at the fan base, mm. um, and you imagine actually being there as a fan, mm. we talk so much about the atmosphere at these kind of games. But can you sum it up in words what it's actually like? Being well, there? I, I was lucky enough to go to a. a Rangers Celtic game. Um, what when what you were younger? Oh, no, no, I was a few years ago. Okay, yeah. Um, it was it was intense, really intense. I think what's happened recently, and Rangers and Celtic will both blame each other on this, but they've only given the away fans an allocation of like I think like a thousand tickets. Uh, so there's like a thousand Celtic men at Ibrox and maybe a thousand Rangers supporters at at Parkhead and. Um, yeah, it's it's not the same. I don't. I imagine if I'd have been, you know, when I was wearing that Rangers shirt, yeah. if I'd have been to an old firm then, mm. it's a different story. But it's a bit of a shame, actually. I think the atmosphere isn't the same, but it's it was still really, really intense. It's like that with a lot of derbies, isn't it? Like you know, when they, they you just talk about like um, Everton and Liverpool, and people used to be like mixed. Both fans would be mixed, so you'd have yeah. like Everton fans sitting next to like a Liverpool fan. And, yeah. Like, I think you, we've lost a lot of that. Sort no, of. you can't do it. No. I understand the reasoning it. behind it, but also I think it takes away from some of the the heaviness that mm. we feel in a derby, in those huge derbies. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah. I think I think that it would be better if if there was more fans from the opposing team at, at the, mm. the, the the stadiums. Really, it's just the atmosphere isn't the same anymore. But I mean, Rangers and Celtic, like it's you talk about, you know. Manchester Derby or Liverpool Derby or Derbies in London that don't compare really the hatred that these guys feel for one another is it's it's bitter it's, it's personal really, isn't it's it it's personal it's bitter um, I, you know, I have friends who are, who are Celtic fans and Celtic fanatics but we're friends and I feel like you get labelled as if you're a Rangers fan or a Celtic fan a lot of people like to label you as a bigot mm. but we don't always have to be like that there's bigots amongst of course, each fan yeah, yeah. set of supporters but you know, it's a it's a football game after yeah. all, and that's all it is. Did that kind of, like you say, those labels? You do seem to get labelled in those mm. fan bases. Did that kind of shape you and your personality growing up a bit? Uh, maybe. Like I said, where I came from, you kind of, you were just, you had to support Rangers mm. um, because everybody else did. My dad was a Rangers fan. Growing up, my uncles were a Rangers fan. One of my uncles used to go to most home games and stuff, and. Mm. Um, you know, it's a, that's a bit of a journey, going, going from Belfast, getting the ferry yeah. over to Scotland and then driving from Stranraer to Glasgow to go to a football game. But, How long would that take? What, uh, like five hours? Yeah, probably something like that, um, start to finish. So, But people people are, are fanatical about these teams, really. Um, it's what makes it so special as yeah, well, yeah. the dedication yeah, absolutely. from the fan base. Yeah. Yeah. And now that, that season, obviously, Gazza McQuist and mm -hmm. like that beautiful shirt, what do you remember from that season? Gaza had the blonde, the, yeah. the blonde hair, and dyed bleach blonde. I remember so many kids um, from Belfast 
Rangers supporters dyeing their hair blonde. Did you? Like, I, I, I tried to. I wanted to dye it blonde, <laughs> but I got like blonde tips. So it wasn't, it wasn't completely blonde, but... Um, well, hang on, why didn't you go completely blonde? Uh, I don't know. Were you not allowed? Maybe that's why. <laughs> I don't know. Blonde tips. I don't, why was I allowed blonde tips? To be tips, fair, blonde allowed... tips did have their time, didn't they? Yeah. They yeah. did, back in the day. I mean, yeah. it probably looked like, like, I don't know, you were trying to be a member of Boys Zone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, a bit different from a Rangers player or something. Yeah. But, yeah. but that's, that's how popular these guys were. Like, kids yeah. used to walk into barbers and say, give me a Gaza. Yeah, Brilliant. yeah, yeah. Have you ever met him? Um, I never, I never met him, and I've never met him. Ali McCoy followed me recently on Instagram. <gasps> oh my gosh, you must have gone mad! Delighted about that. Love Ali McCoy, like, and and still, still love him. Listen to him on Talksport and stuff, and you hear him at the World Cup yeah. on on ITV. And um, Ali he's McCoy, so lovable. He, yeah, he's a he's a great guy, he's a, and he's funny. Yeah, and he's um, he's he's an icon really to, to a lot of people from. From where I'm from, Belfast, Glasgow as well, obviously. But yeah, he's he's admired a lot. I used to watch the Question of Sport just because yeah, he was, was on it. He's funny. Just because he man. was on it, yeah. yeah. He, was, he was he was hilarious, wasn't he? He comes across as a genuinely lovely guy. I think so. Um, it was around this time as well. Am I right in thinking that you started boxing? Yeah, um, yeah, it was around yeah '95, something like that. I started boxing. Um, How old were you at the time? Then? I was seven. Wow. Seven, eight, yeah, really young. And when I was seven or eight, I looked like I was five. Oh. So I I remember actually the first time going down to the boxing club and, and my mum brought me down with a group of friends and um, they weren't going to let me in because they thought I was too young. And the guy kind of said, look, just sit. They made me sit on a chair and watch what went on. And then I just sat and watched and they said, look, if you want to come back, you can come back. So I came back and, and that was me. I was kind of It's incredible at such a young age. I think people so often don't realise like, Boxes and stuff. You start at such a young age, and you've dedicated your whole yeah. life to it a lot of the time. It's too young, really. If I'm being honest, like I wouldn't. My my boy, my youngest son, he's he just turned eight. I I wouldn't let him box at that age. Really? I think, yeah, ten or eleven's probably the the right age to start getting into it. But um, it was it was a different time back then. And I was yeah. going to say that times were different back then, weren't they? Yeah. Do you remember the first person yeah. who recognised that you had this skill? Yeah, it was um, my old coach, amateur coach, a guy called Billy McKee. Um, Billy's like, yeah, Billy was like my idol, really. Um, just what I imagine every man should be. He's just, he's hard. He was just straight down the line, really honest. Um, didn't take no off any, anybody. Um, just a tough little... Belfast man and and but full of wisdom like always like tell me give me good advice all the time and I, I love Billy. He passed away last he year. He passed away he? last year yeah and um, yeah it was sad it was really sad and he told me a story actually when I went to see him um, and he's like a he's short he was my height a little bit smaller than me but he was like little tank still at like 80 year olds and he used to do press-ups every day and he had these dumbbells in his room and he used to lift the dumbbells. And Love that. When he got sick, his wife had kind of banned him from doing the press-ups and the dumbbells, but I think he used to go and sneak away and do some little weights in the room and pump a wee bit of iron. So when I went to see him, he told me, like, um, he looked a bit tired and I said, you all right? And he went, yeah, I'm a bit tired. Oh, she, she, don't be telling her, but 
I've done a few press ups this morning. I'm just not feeling great from it. But I, like Billy's, Billy's a hero of mine. Did he, throughout the entirety of your life, offer you his wisdom? Was that relationship a constant? In your oh, life? Yeah, always, always. Um, he, he, he. he he hated professional boxing, like he's an amateur guy through and through, and he knew that professional boxing was a business and there was money to be made, and where there's money to be made, there's a lot of snakes and, and shady characters. And But Billy was just, he was just as honest as they come, really. And um, he always kind of, he's a real family man, and, and you know, he understood family values. And um, he always, he always kind of told me, like, Boxing is your job, it's what you do, but you know, your wife and your kids are the most important. You have to remember that all the time. And yeah, that's that's something I always remember. Sounds like a wonderful, wonderful man. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about your love for this Rangers side. Mm. Um obviously started at a very young age. How do you feel about the current Rangers side? Um you got to the final last year, the Europa, yeah, look, uh, Europa League. You got the Europa League final last year, which was which is unbelievable, really. Did um, you go? No, I didn't. I didn't go. Um, I probably could have got tickets off BT as well. <laughs> um, You're only thinking about it now. Yeah. Like, I know, yeah. I should have used my, my links <laughs> yeah. there, man. Yeah. But no, I, d I didn't go. Um, but that was an amazing achievement um, for a team who, you know, a Scottish football team who don't have the budget that some of the other teams have that they were coming up against. And But the play was so much passion last year and so tackingly minded. And, um, yeah, just it hasn't been the same this year. Um, so do you think it was right for Giovanni Brown? I don't know. I, I, hate, I hate it when, you know, he'd he done amazing things less than a year ago to bring yeah. him to the Europa League final. So... I think the, the finger always gets pointed at managers when, when teams aren't doing too well. And it shouldn't always be the case. And, and the players have to take a wee bit of accountability as well. A couple of players left as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, Bassey as well. But the money they were offered for him from Ajax was incredible. So they had to take it. But um, a few players left and they didn't really bring many in. Um, I think we still need a, a defender. We have a few defenders injured as well. Mm. Um, Goldson's injured and... Um, yeah, we're we're a good side, decent side, Rangers, but they just they haven't been performing. The unforgettable one. It's the shirt that holds a special place in your heart, and for Carl, it's the Crusaders home shirt from '96, '97. This is simple: vertical black and red stripes, long sleeves, Adidas logo, and the club badge. I've got to say, it's a beautiful shirt, that. It's a niche. I thought yeah. it looked like, look like a Milan shirt. Yeah. 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 Um, so people in England, they, when they ask, who do you support? And the Crews are my first team. So Crusaders yeah. are my first team, above Rangers. So people say, who do you support? And say Crusaders. And they don't know who they are, but they're, a, they're not a professional outfit. They were semi-pro then. Um, I used to go to all the home games, and, and the stadium's like a less than a mile from, from where I grew up. So... The shirt that I picked, they won the league that year. And I remember actually, I remember when they won the league, it was, I think they drew in the last day of the season. They had, if, if they get beat, they lost, but they, they had the win or draw and they drew with Coleraine, I think. They're not a massive club. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they drew with them and I was one of the first people on the, on the pitch. Like I was over the fence, and, but when I was on the pitch, I was a kid and I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I was like, oh. 
And I didn't know where to go, and I just stood there, and, and everyone kind of bombed on the pitch, you know, hugging the players, and then I got involved after that. But that was oh. that was great memory for me. And um, did you go as a family to the games and stuff? No, nah, I went. My uncle was a big Crusaders fan. Okay. And he went um, to a lot of the games. I went. I played for a, a, a club called Lockside Boys, who were affiliated, like a feeder club for Crusaders. Okay. And. Um, we, were we they got, still semi-pro at this point as well? And they, yeah, and yeah. They ha, and they still they had, had like a feeling. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Wow. <laughs> so we, um, I played for Lockside Boys and we got a season ticket. Oh, nice. For, wow. for a fiver. Oh, so that, that's what it cost us. What, so, a fiver for the whole year? Fiver for the whole year. Oh, yeah. That's oh incredible. God. So we, um, I, I, went to, I went to all the home games, yeah. And I, I don't get down to as many matches as I should, but the crews are still very close to my heart. What's the fan base like, the Crusaders fan base? Um, it's... It's small. It, they're not one of the most well-supported clubs mm. in um, in Northern Ireland, if I'm being honest. And it's something that annoys me a little bit. You've got a lot of guys from the Shore Road, where I'm from, North Belfast, who like they literally live 50 yards from Seaview, Crusaders Ground, but they support Linfield. Why? Because they're the, they're the the team that wins everything. And glory they, hunters. Yeah, they're all glory hunters. So, um, and again, you talk about politics and everything and Linfield are the big like Protestant team and everybody supports them. Crews are would be also supported by a majority of Protestants but a bit a bit more neutral. They had a lot of players coming up from Dublin and stuff during the Troubles and um, yeah that's something that that uh, it pisses me off a wee bit. Guys literally live a stone's throw from the ground but they support another team. It's, it's crazy that you talk about like you know the, the different demographics of people that support certain teams and it's like it's hard to get away from that in in northern ireland isn't it like yeah. it's it, it's there in every aspect of life was that hard growing up like mm. trying to maneuver that or was it sort of better as you were not not really i think if you're sensible about sensible about it it's okay um obviously you get kind of you kind of get painted with everyone gets painted with the same brush if if they support rangers you're saying, oh, he's a bigot, he's a scumbag, he's a lo he's a loyalist bigot, whatever. And if you support Celtic, you're you know a Republican bigot. It's just, but it's not it's not always the case. It's a football team, but no, from knowing who t people support, you can kind of you know where they're from, and it's just it was hard. It was hard as a kid, really. But being a a boxer. Um, it was always a thing. Like most boxing clubs were like no no football shirts in the club because wow, it just caused division and tension. Yeah. And um, like I said, Rangers and Celtic, it it wasn't like it wasn't like Man United and Man City. It was real real bitter. So if you had to um, if you had to have a fight in any stadium, yeah, would it be Rangers or Crusaders? Um, no, nah, yeah, Crusaders. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is smaller, you wouldn't get many in, like, but... Um, you wouldn't have to worry about selling it out. Yeah. There, there was actually, there was talk of me fighting oh, at really? Crusaders before, but um, I think you maybe get, like, 4,000 into the stadium, but then with the pitch, you can put maybe another 4,000 on the pitch, so 8,000, but the, the Odyssey, the arena where I fought, held 9,000 people. And it's way more expensive to do an outside broadcast course, as well. Yeah. So promoters don't want to do it. And um, there was a genuine discussion about me fighting at, at Seaview, Crusaders ground, but it, it never, it never materialized. Oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah, yeah. Would, have, yeah. would you have been the first boxer to do that as well? 
uh, I, th I think so. Um, maybe maybe there was fights, you know, years ago, 50, mm. 40s or 50s, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Probably the first. You've yeah. spoken, Carl, because obviously we touched on uh, the whole Rangers-Celtic situation. You've spoken about how um, growing up there was a lot of conflict over there and mm. boxing helped you through that, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I th it just kind of made me, I suppose, yeah, grow up, like you said. I... Coming from where I come from, a place called Tigers Bay, which is a loyalist stronghold, and you know you're you're always influenced as a kid. You're influenced by the older people in, in the area, and and some of the influences I had were people who just hated people from the other side of the road. So I lived in Tigers Bay. There was a road that divided my housing estate with the New Lodge, which was a, a Republican stronghold. So you you assume that you hate these people across the road because they're Republicans and you are a unionist or loyalist, whatever you want to say. Um, but that's not the case. And boxing was always a sport that kind of brought both sides together. And and that's where I kind of got my integration, through boxing. Um, the schools are still in, they're separated, you know, Protestant schools and Catholic schools at home and um, very few integrated schools. Um, and my, my integration really came through boxing and and, and training in the New Lodge and, and, and the Falls Road and West Belfast with, with Catholics who, if it hadn't have been for boxing, I wouldn't have been mixing with these guys. No. And the same, the you wouldn't same have had any friends supporting Celtic if it was off. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. So, um, yeah, it was, that was where I got my integration through, through boxing and mixing with, with Catholic. Kids. So it was just because they, they never allowed football shirts and stuff like that. You didn't All know, that, yeah. Yeah, and you it, didn't know who people really yeah, were. Yeah, and, and people... I think at home, people respected fighters, no matter really where you were from. If you were Protestant, Catholic, yeah. whatever, Unionist, Republican. It's hard not to respect someone that can take a... Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, was, it was always, it's like a, it's a working class sport and, yeah. you know, people, people seem to respect fighters at home, yeah. Do you think you, because of your background and where you were brought up, do you think you grew up almost too quickly? Um, nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, there was... I, I had a good childhood. Look, I lived in a in a rough area, but you know, you know, there's rough areas in London, Manchester, Liverpool, all over the UK. Really, it's you know, it's I lived in a rough. But, um, when you're young, you don't really realise no. it's rough. Do you know? No, it's, it's just, just where you live, innit? It's, yeah, it's just where you live, and that's then it. You sort of grow up, and you're like, and you're like, hey, did did people let off fireworks in your area? Yeah. Yeah. And then people are looking at you like, no, yeah. that no. never happened. Where, where I lived, like it was it was on an interface. So I my street in Tigers Bay was the closest street to the new lodge. So literally, it was like the Wild West. I mean, like, especially in the summer months when, when rioting and started, you know, f people fighting, hand-to-hand -hand fighting, guns being pulled, petal bombs. Oh, I thought you meant there was a lot of horses. And no, no, no. <laughs> so it, it, was, it was pretty rough, but it was like, it was exciting when you were a kid, you know, you see, and it was just normal. It was normalized, but it, it, it shouldn't have been normalized. No, but that's, that's just the way it was. So would you just not talk to the people almost on the other side of the street then? Yeah, yeah, because only for boxing. Wow. And wow. if I hadn't been for boxing, I, I may have grew up with this hatred of these people because of what I'm hearing from other guys in the street. But, has, has it affected the way you bring up your children? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in a mixed marriage, so I, I've married a Catholic girl. Um, we're not religious. I say Catholic girl and Protestant. I'm, I'm not a Protestant because I'm not religious. She's not Catholic because she's not religious. Yeah. But that, that's what you were brought up as. Um, but... I'm in this mixed marriage, as they call it, yeah. at home. And um, 
my kids, they don't they they have a, a different life than what what I had, and, yeah. and they don't they don't even really know what I grew up in, really. Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's different, and I and I like it like that. So, do your kids have an Ulster fry? Like, what is this? This is Ulster what fry. I've been, yeah, I've been hearing about this version of a fry. What is it? So. You get fry ups, there's fry ups everywhere, but yeah. the Ulster fry, in my opinion, is the best fry up you can get. What makes it amazing? So it's, well, the potato bread, really. What's potato bread? Look at her carbs, she's yeah. immediately involved. It's unbelievable. <laughs> potato bread, it tastes a bit like. Knocky. Uh, oh, I love knocky. Yeah, a, li- a little bit like that, um, I think. But, but is only, it a it's, big... it's flat, it's kind of, it's about that size. And it's that, fried. That, like gnocchi, but that big. Yeah, yeah. I'm all over but that. But it's flat. It's like a like a bit of bread, but it's like fried. It's, it's nice. Do you have anything? Because obviously with gnocchi, you have like a sauce on it normally. Do you have a bit of mo- like no, something? No, well, over- a bit of red or brown sauce. That's it. And then what else do you have around the gnocchi? Dude, this, the potato this, bread? The same, the same stuff as you get on a fry. Like, Talk us but, through it. Yeah. <laughs> She's never yeah. been so excited about it. I'm any- hungry, yeah. right? Bacon, egg, um, potato bread, soda bread. Which you have two breads two on types it. Two of bread, yeah. <gasps> this soda is game changing. I like it. Did you, have you ever had a farl, a soda farl? Do you know what that, that is? That, that the same thing? Soda farl's the same. Oh, yeah. my granddad gets me them. They're lovely, yeah, they're, they're aren't nice, they? They're yeah. like the triangles. Yeah. The, uh, the... So how do you have it? Do you fry it or toast it? I toast it. I've never even considered frying it. They're, I like them. They're nicer toasted. Toasted with butter. Oh, but yeah. When you fry them on a on a fry up, they're they're tasty too. The Haunted One. It's the shirt that brings back bad memories, and it's Celtic 2000-2001. Hardly needs me to describe the iconic green and white hoops, Umbro on the right, Club Badge on the left, and NTL as the sponsors. Just picture Henrik Larsson, arms outstretched, dreads and tongue out, celebrating yet another goal, and that is the shirt. John Hartson, Chris Sutton. Umbro, NTL. Yeah. Like, yeah, a great, a great save. Larson with the dreads. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my, what that player. was a like, different Henrik Larson. Yeah, you have to respect him. What a player. I think at, at a stage, like, any club, when he was playing for Celtic, this is, any club in the world would have had Henrik Larson. Oh, 100%. He was scoring, like, 50 goals a season. It was before Messi. Like, I know nowadays people yeah. think it's, like, uh, it's, like like it it just, yeah, yeah. But back in the night, nah, no, what a two thousand. Like no one was scoring fifty goals in a season. And yeah. I think they got him. I don't know what they got. I think they got him from a Swedish team, Celtic. I think for like yeah, I think it was like Helsingborg or something. Yeah, but yeah. For very little money. Yeah. You know, if you had to have one Celtic player at Rangers, would yeah. it have been Larson? Larson, yeah. All day long. All day, every day. Yeah. He he did three months at Man United on loan. Yeah. And I think we all fell in love with him. Yeah. And it was like a three month stint, and it was like. If only we'd have got him when he was younger. Yeah, great yeah. player. He went to think, Barcelona as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great player. incredible. Like, I mean, that must have been hard watching Celtic dominate during that period with him yeah. playing as like, well. I, I, yeah, as a kid, like I hated them. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't. You know, I've kind of I've grown up now and understand what it's about and it's football. But I mean, I hated everybody that played for Celtic. But I've, um, I've met a couple. Of, I've met John Hartson. I've met Chris Sutton. Um, you know, just they're they're nice guys, but I had this image that you know deep hatred for them at one yeah. point. But they're just well, nice things got players. really bad for you lot as Rangers fans anyway, because then you went into administration. Yeah, and yeah, and had to come up through the leagues, and you know, um, it's difficult to when you're playing teams like Cowden Beef. 
you know, it's I like, don't even know what they are. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> it's not sounded that like, like an off-brand like gravy or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Montrose. Oh my you know, gosh, it's just not that exciting. It's like a small supermarket. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. But that must have been so painful watching them do so well and be so dominant while you're suffering. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, but look, it's just one. Could you even things. get some of the games on TV? Yeah, I think so. I think you were getting maybe, maybe not all of them, but because Rangers were still a big club, and I mean, when they got uh, when they went in the administration, they were going to these little you know dopey grounds all over Scotland, you know, fourth tier teams with. Hmm. I mean, the whole like maybe three thousand capacity, and Rangers are bringing fifteen thousand fans to wow. try and get. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's we're still a massive club. Oh, wow. Ali McCoy's was a huge part of getting you back to the Premiership, wasn't he? Um, how, yeah. How much respect do you... I know you've spoken about your love for him, but just how loved is he? Yeah, he's, he's so... I, I love Ali McCoy's, and I think every every Rangers fan loves him, especially my generation. Like, and I, I watched him play, you know, growing up, and he was he's a great player, um, always scoring. He had that, he had a great partnership with Mark Hately as well, who, who I've got to meet got Mark Hitley's number on my phone as well, which is unbelievable. Um, yeah, so that was just... Have you ever called him? Um, yeah. What uh, about? Yeah, well, getting voice notes and stuff, um, a few text messages. Um, about tickets for games and, you know, getting myself open to a few um, the last couple of years and trying to get favours sorted and uncles and stuff wanting to go. So Mark... Mark was someone who used to sort me out. Between him and BT, there's no excuse for you never not no, to get to a game. No, I know, I know, really but I mean, I don't have a lot of time anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but what was that like for you, um, that period personally, as a fan? You know, you grow up, you love your club, they come, become a huge part almost of your identity. And mm. for so many people watching that happen, mm. what was that like? Do you remember the feeling around the club at that time? Yeah, look, it was it was heartbreaking for everybody who who followed Rangers. Really, you know, we're, we're arguably, you know, we'll say it was the biggest club in Scotland. Celtic fans will say they're the biggest club in Scotland. Um, I mean, in terms of fan base and stuff, like it, it's huge. It was mm. there was talk at a stage of Rangers and Celtic maybe going into the Premier League mm. um, as well, and and that then we're you know we're in the fourth division of Scottish football. It was it was hard to take for a lot of people, and a lot of people kind of fell away from it. I, but like me, you know, I was a, I was a kid who loved Rangers, and then you know. It's not the same watching them. You know, that's a wee yeah, bit of a glory yeah. hunter mentality. I hate, I hate well, that. Well, I don't but... think it is. I think when you become accustomed to success, yeah, like it's hard to, to sort of experience that. It's like when a team doesn't make the top four in the Premier League, people are like, oh my God, we've had a horrible season. Yeah, but yeah. it's like certain teams would give their like, you know, life to get to, to whatever that place is. But to, if you become so accustomed to success. Rangers being successful and dominant, mm. being a fourth Team. No, I know it was hard. Yeah. Carl, yeah. oh, you know, if um, Rangers and Celtic were in the Premier League now, how do you think they'd fare? Mm. Honestly, no, I'm going to be honest. You're laughing. What are you saying? <laughs> I think it'd Remember be really who hard. Yeah, it'd be to. difficult. Yeah. But I, I, I think, think it'd be really hard. I, yeah. I think you look at look at Rangers' exploits last year in the Europa League. Yeah. I think I think they're mid-table teams. Mm. Interesting. What are you saying? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I think. I think they'd need to, they'd need to um, get a season where they get as much money. 
yeah. as as the Premier League side. The do. money would come. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, would yeah, come. Yeah, yeah. If they if they had the same sort of um, level playing field as in the money, mm. I think they could do really well because of yeah. the size of the fan base and yeah, stuff yeah. as well. But I think if immediately if they went in with the squads that they have now, I think they'd struggle for the first season. Relegated? Not relegated, but I think they'd struggle. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's it is hard. But I think with two colossal fan bases like mm. that and with investment. There's no reason why. And, and they become a much more attractive prospect for foreign investors as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're talking about, like, we've seen with Newcastle and what's that, what, what yeah. that's done for them mm. with investment, if, if, if Rangers and Celtic were in the Premier League and yeah. people were looking at potential clubs to invest in, they're two that would, that, whose potential well, is Well, so it's a lot more attractive for players yeah. to play in the Premier League than yeah. the Scottish Premier League yeah. as well. So yeah. Yeah. I think as well, the Premier League would benefit from those fan bases. Oh, it would be incredible. Undoubtedly, yeah. I, I think it would be. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a shame because Scottish football used... It didn't... The gap between Premier League and like Scottish football wasn't this big No, before. no, it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, you, you know... You had Gattuso playing for Rangers. <sighs> I, I, <laughs> I, saw, interest, yeah. I, I saw Gattuso as a kid playing at Crusaders for wow. Rangers. So he was wow. 17, 18, I think. Yeah. And um, they played Crusaders in a friendly. What was he like? What um, was that like? I, I don't really remember. I, I remember he was short. That's what I remember. But that, it's just mental that he's gone yeah. to there anyway. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, yeah that he played for, yeah. played for Rangers yeah, at a yeah. point. So, um, so did Arteta. I think people Arteta, forget that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. That's right, but I remember I saw Gattuso playing against um, Crusaders in a friendly, which was, which was great. That is insane. Yeah, yeah that is insane. To sort of like you know Gattuso turning up in Northern Ireland, yeah, yeah oh, mental. mental. Winning the league in 2021, did that feel a bit like redemption? Yeah, it was. It was great. It was kind of like um, we're back. You know what I mean? And I, like I said earlier on, I thought that was it. We're just going to keep winning the league, and Rangers are, are back to where they need to be. But that wasn't to be, and Gerard left, and um, yeah, it just hasn't. From that point, it really hasn't went as I would have liked it. But Europa League final, can't really complain about that. Yeah. Mm. And and for a Scottish team to be doing that, and so many great sides still. And, and you put up a great before. It wasn't like you got thrashed or losing on penalties. Is yeah, no, yeah. I know it was. It was. It was hard to watch, but. Um, yeah, they done well. They done well, but it just it hasn't been the same this year. I don't think it's all doom and gloom, man. I think you guys, I think you you've got you've got a good um, good future ahead of you. Yeah. The named one. It's the iconic player you would have to have on the back of your shirt. This time, it's the Northern Ireland solid green, circa mid sixties, white trim on the sleeves, white V collar, and the nation's badge. That's it. Oh and the number 11 on the back. You have gone for George Best. Yeah. yeah tell us why. I mean, we don't need to ask, but tell yeah. us why. Yeah, Best is, I mean, he's he's a hero to every Northern Ireland fan. And I, I'm a massive Northern Ireland fan and um, try to get the all, all the home games anyway when, when I can. Um, but Best was, he was incredible. And you know, you, you, some of his highlights, like it's, it's unbelievable and what he done for at United. Um, Made the whole number seven shirt famous. Yeah, but I mean, he was like, he was, he's one of the best players ever yeah. that's ever lived, no doubt about it. One of the best players. Most people from Northern Ireland will say he's the best, but you know, it's hard to look at Ronaldo and Messi and Pele before Maradona, but best, 
is an icon, an absolute icon. And I, I, he's another one I got to see play in a testimonial wow. at Windsor Park. So he was in his 50s, maybe. Oh, okay, yeah. But, what um, was that like? What was he like? Was, it was 50s? great. He didn't, he didn't run much, but you could just tell he still has it about him. He kind of stayed in the centre circle and just ping the ball yeah, about. Yeah, it's incredible when you see, like, ex-pros and they've still got, like, the technique. Yeah, yeah. But, like, even at certain ages, and you're like, wow, like, how, <laughs> yeah. some things just never leave you. But I think with, with George Best, like, it, it's a shame. Like, obviously, he played for Northern Ireland. Like, did there wasn't much success with Northern Ireland, was there? No. Um, I I heard him talking about it. The commentator mentioned it. I can't remember who was playing the World Cup the other day. Um, but they talked about someone as being one of the best players never mm. to play in a World Cup. George Weah, I think yeah, they were talking George about. Weah, yeah. His son's at USA. USA. Yeah, Timothy Weah. Yeah. So, um, they were talking about him to be one of the best players never to play in a yeah. World Cup. And he rhymed off and then he started saying, and, and you know, you've got um, Ryan, Ryan Giggs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ryan, Ian Rush. Yeah. Oh, is, he, is he going to mention George Best <laughs> here or what? And he kind of saved himself I think to again. be fair to him, he was mentioning Welsh players. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, so. Yeah, do you, yeah, do you, yeah. you, you yeah, know I what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. But he, he kind of, it was almost like he'd forgotten about Best and then he put yeah. him in. Yeah. Um, but, he, I mean, he was... He was an un unbelievable player. Yeah. Unbelievable. And I, I mean, I, he was a he was a super. They call him the fifth Beatle and stuff. Like yeah. he was, he was the boy. It's what? a shame when like you, you think players like that, they should just give them a pass. Like, who do you want to play for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just yeah. Like, yeah. What made him so magical? Um, he played in an era where you could you were still allowed to tackle. So you know, there was guys literally trying to break his legs every mm. match. But he, he was, you know, he was just going around them and. And bouncing off people and and riding challenges and um, I feel like a lot of players in this era, as well. I don't like comparing different eras. eras yeah, it's, it's a different sport. Well, almost. they never had sports science. No, they I were know. going up after an Ulster fry and yeah, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and you know a, a heavy night on the beer the night yeah. before, or whatever, and sometimes showing up the games like half juice still and, <laughs> and putting in these unbelievable performances. And Best was just yeah, he's I never met him. I would have loved to have. I would love to have met him. Um, but, what do you think yeah. you would have said to him if you had met him? I don't know. I always get asked. Well, not always. I've been asked, "Who would you have at the dinner party, dead or alive, if if you could?" And and best is always is always there. Top um, of the table. Yeah, he's he's always there. Is he that's, Is he a big, massive icon in Northern Ireland? Yeah, huge, yeah. absolutely huge. Um, I I done a thing for BT recently actually, and I didn't even know you could do this, but you can tour his old house. So wow. Tura's old house, I mean, it's a, it's a terraced house where he lived in, in East Belfast. And they've got a kind of, it's amazing. They've got like old, his, you know, his letters he's written home to his parents from, from Man United. Um, and they've got the house as it would have been when Best was there growing up. So it's like a real sense of nostalgia. What's it like? It, it's amazing. It, I mean, you do the whole thing in 15 minutes because it's a tiny house, but... Um, I'd done this thing with BT with, with Joe Cole and he, Joe was loving it and, and thought it was amazing. You know, it's like, it smells like an, it smells like yeah. an old person. You know that old like smell <laughs> you go in and- Bit musty. Yeah, but it was- But you love it. Yeah, I loved you? it. He massively represents football at that time, doesn't he really? Yeah. No, he, like I said, he was, he was an icon to everybody. Like he, put, he really put mm. Belfast, Northern Ireland on the map. Like he was yeah. a global, global superstar and, and, and Pelly talks about him like um, Pelly described him as the best player that he'd ever played against and stuff and um, yeah he's 
just an icon. Absolutely. I think icon. there's something special about players from that era as well, where it's like even when you look at the footage, mm -hmm. and it's like they've redoctored it to make it like better <sighs> look. And it, but it's just the I think the jersey that you've picked as well. It's such a beautiful kit. Like it's just the badge. Yeah. Nothing else. There's no sponsor or anything. Yeah. There's else. nothing. Just, I mean, there's so yeah. many people would still wear that that kind of old retro yeah. Northern Ireland yeah. like walk walking around Belfast. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you and your roots? Because talking about fast, you got your first world title there, didn't you, against Kiko yeah. Martinez? What was that like? Unbelievable. Um, it was. I, I fought kind of at the on the Titanic slipway. So pretty much where they built the Titanic in the shipyard in a purpose-built arena. Um, 16,000 people. 16, people. And from the ring, you could kind of see Taggart's Bay, where I'm from, in the distance. And um, it was like really I iconic for me. Um, yeah, amazing. amazing. How, how, how does that feel when people are like shouting your name and, and that's, stuff? It's, it's nice, you know. I, I, look, that's, that's one of my biggest achievements and accomplishments, I think, was my the support and the fan base that I had like they were really passionate and they traveled the world to see me you know I'd I brought maybe 5,000 people to Las Vegas when I fought Leo Santa Cruz and there's not there's not too many people can do that um but the fan base I had they were fanatical and loyal and they kind of they have my back they all they all have my back you know what I want to touch on something you said about um, Billy McKay and mm. that he said you know your your boxing is your work almost but mm. your family are mm. first how much of an influence and support of your family and those immediate people around you been in your world oh, massive um, I mean I, I don't think I could have done half of what I've done if it hadn't been for people supporting me that maybe don't get mentioned that much but like my mum and dad um, you know, we're you know working class, never had much, but I never went without yeah. really. And, and my dad was always putting his hand in his pocket to kind of fund my career and um, help me as an amateur. And my mum the same. Uh, my wife Christine actually, when I met her, I was an amateur boxer, and I wasn't being funded. There were some guys who were getting a bit of funding on the amateur setup, but I wasn't. So I literally lived off her student loan. I had no money, and I had this dream, and I was like, right, I'm. I'm I don't want to go and get a nine to five because it's going to affect my training and I'm going to get to the top. And, and she trusted me and she believed that. And, you know, I, I kind of lived off of her student loan. I hope away. you paid it back. Yeah, well, she, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I have. But, um, I mean, you, you never forget them sort of things. Mm. But, I, I, look, I've been helped with so many people. There's been so many people who have, who have helped me along the way. And, and then that's only that's only. It's nice few. to hear someone actually talk about it, embrace that, because you get so many people these days going, "Oh, I'm self-made. I did it by myself." No, I'm not. I'm not at yeah. all. Not at all. Yeah. You need. It's a, it's an individual sport. But, but everyone. Yeah, makes, you need a, you yeah. need a, a good team of people around you. Yeah, that's, that's nice to hear, man. That's what I'm saying. Are your children aware? Uh, really aware of what you've done? Nah, no, not yet. You just dad to yeah, them. Yeah, I you? still have to keep reminding them. It, 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 annoy, <laughs> it annoys me a bit. Like. I, I had a conversation. Go, like, I'm cool, you know. Yeah. Like, to your kids. I won, I won Zoo Magazine's coolest man of the year in 2015. So, like, Tom Hardy came second that year. You know what I mean? Um, so, I, uh, I have to keep... She's laughing. You, sorry, you're I'm laughing way too, too much. much about this. No. <laughs> I just love that that's the thing. He'd be Tom Hardy, you know? Yeah. He'd be, he'd be Venom. I, I think that's a great accolade. <laughs> who, who voted for it? I think... So, th th this is why I won. Um, <laughs> I think, because... 
there was a list of 20 people, and a lot of them were big time. Who are we you know, talking? Tom Hardy, Beckham, Prince Harry, Ed Sheeran. You beat Beckham. You beat, I'm Beckham. Prince Harry. I. Let me tell you, there you, very go. Much. there you go. I seen me on this list of 20, and I think I was probably the only person who retweeted it. <laughs> so, no one really cared apart from me. And everyone that kind of follows me, well, a lot of them voted for me, and I, it was apparently it was a landslide. I think that's a huge achievement and your children will revel in that one day. But yeah. for you, what is your greatest achievement? Um, personal and professional. Professional, winning, winning my first world title. That, that, was, that was like everything I've wanted to achieve. And that, that feeling of getting your hand raised at the end, especially doing it at home in Belfast. So the champion came to me mm. um, because you know, the money yeah. can be generated yeah, and the yeah, fan base. And, um, to do it at home, that was that was really special. But but my my kids, like you know, nothing nothing beats nothing beats your kids and watch them grow. I'm proud of my kids. Like my two good kids, you know, funny the wee boy is really really funny. He's he's just turned eight. Yeah, he's he's hilarious and he's got his own little attitude and stuff. A little girl who's a bit older, um, really sensitive and nice and clever and um, yeah, that's that's. That's it, really. I, the being world champion, I, I always find it interesting to know how do you get motivated after that. Once you've achieved like a lifelong ambition, yeah. What? Uh, where do you get the motivation to go again? Um, you just want more. It's like setting new goals. And after I beat Kiko Martinez, um, I fought on an American loudmouth called Chris Avalos in my next fight. And I mean. I wanted to kill this guy. Like, <laughs> he was just obnoxious. Yeah. His family weren't nice, and if there was, it was me kind of reaching the pinnacle and winning yeah. the world title, and then the next fight, maybe no thing. I've, I've done what I've, his attitude really got me fired up for that fight. But then after that, it's like you want a unified division, which I've done against Scott Quigg, and yeah. then after you do that, you want to move up and try and win a world title in a different division, and I've done that against Leo Santa Cruz. So I kind of. The goal was to win a world title. Um, so in a sense of overachieved, like I, I don't, yeah. I didn't think I, I, everything after that was a bonus. Absolutely. Carl, you've been an absolute joy. You are so lovely and humble. Um, and I'm sure that your children one day will recognize <laughs> that. I, I, that's, that's the dream. That's the real dream. Thank the you. The kids realize that I was all right, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, 2015's coolest man. <laughs> <laughs> As voted by you, the public. <laughs> Carl Frampton, thank you for coming along, man. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that, tell a friend, rate it, review it, and subscribe to get this straight to your device every Thursday. Big thanks to classicfootballshirts.co.uk. This was Stripped, brought to you by William Hill. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly.